This is SG2 Perspectives, a conversation with SG2 experts and industry thought leaders about the biggest trends in healthcare and what we expect that's going to mean for the future of healthcare delivery. Welcome to SG2 Perspectives. I'm your host, Trevor Durin. Today, I'm doing something that my colleague and friend Andrew Rebhan asked me to do. He has been working on a few big thoughts around digital health. And he said, I just want to run through these because they're things that's really resonating when he gets to share it directly with members. He wanted to talk about five big things that maybe he's even said before, but that he doesn't want to hear and doesn't want to say anymore related to digital health. Andrew, take it away. Thanks, Trevor. As a digital health market researcher and consultant, I've written a lot of reports. I've attended a good number of conferences. I've enjoyed presenting my perspective across webinars and in-person events and podcasts. But every so often, I pause and reflect on my work and think of the ways that I can improve. Going into this year, one goal was to avoid certain cliches or platitudes, basically statements that have been used so often, they just stop being interesting or thoughtful, but people still use them as if there's some profound thing to say. I aim to stop this, at least in my work. And to the best of my ability, I'm sure I'll slip up at times because cliches are often contagious and agreeable. Here's five digital health cliches I never want to use again. Number one, telehealth is here to stay. This phrase is easily the slogan for much of 2020 and 2021 when the COVID pandemic forced the entire industry to embrace virtual care out of necessity. It was during this unique moment in time where advocates cheered the massive surge in telehealth adoption, claiming that we had reached a tipping point and that healthcare was never going to be the same again. Now, I consider myself a telehealth advocate, but we should understand the highly unique circumstances of the public health emergency and how that inflated virtual care opportunities, which also led to some disillusionment later on as use rates steadily declined. The issue with this cliche is that it anchors our minds to the height of 2020 use rates. It essentially makes those figures the benchmark or goal to strive for. And this is misguided. Healthcare needs a longer timeline to figure out how to best incorporate telehealth into existing care pathways to make telehealth a virtual safety net that wraps around in-person encounters. Telehealth isn't here to stay. It's figuring out how best to stay. And to be clear, I am confident that we won't revert to pre-pandemic use rates for telehealth. That would be lunacy. And it would show that we had learned nothing from the pandemic. Cliche number two, AI will not replace physicians. The past year of my life has been consumed with artificial intelligence. I'm not complaining. It's actually been fun to see this part of the digital health market shine. But as is often the case, the hype has now been met with a mixture of criticism, concern, and efforts to generally downplay or diminish the effects of AI in healthcare. The phrase AI will not replace physicians is one of those things that you always see as the last sentence in an article or the last slide in a presentation. It's a way to bring a sense of calm to an audience of clinicians and other stakeholders who are worried that they can't keep up. Or frankly, there's also the case that sometimes we have one or two fragile egos in the room who can take offense at the idea that they're being outperformed by any technology. Speaking for myself, I have never, ever encountered someone who is excited or waiting for the day where their physician is replaced by an AI. That may sound like I'm taking the side of AI skeptics, but it's actually the opposite. To me, the concern of AI replacing physicians is a non-issue that we shouldn't have taken all that seriously to begin with. I would encourage us to not use this remark just to appease our audience. 
Instead, I would suggest we continue to focus on the true value of AI, its ability to be a supercharged assistant or a co-pilot for humans. That's how we build a real sense of trust with this technology. And just a final point, sometimes you'll hear a second part affixed to this statement that says something like, AI will not replace physicians, but physicians using AI will replace those who don't. I actually like this fuller statement. It acknowledges the inevitability of AI in healthcare. Unfortunately, this statement is also played out. Cliche number three, big tech is disrupting healthcare. Now, listen, I know big tech companies like Amazon, Google, and Apple have somewhat of a contentious relationship with healthcare. And there are plenty of folks who clearly celebrate any time a big tech company as one of their healthcare ventures fail. But part of this friction comes down to a simple root cause of word choice. Every conversation about big tech and healthcare centers on words like disruption or the idea that big tech is, quote, taking over or revolutionizing healthcare. And it's precisely these types of descriptions that imply dominance, which builds the wrong narrative, and it leads to active resistance from entrenched stakeholders. When it comes to Amazon or other big tech firms, I don't think to succeed in healthcare means for them to assume full control of it. They're all just aiming for their share of the market, just like any other for-profit enterprise. So are they really disrupting healthcare? Time will tell. For example, Microsoft, with its purchase of Nuance, with its heavy investment in open AI and integrating more with Epic, that's a series of business moves that's nothing to scoff at. But clearly not every venture from big tech has been a home run. One thing is clear, though. Love them or hate them, anytime a big tech player announces a new move, they have the industry's attention. Cliche number four, don't get distracted by the shiny new object. This statement has been used to talk about almost every single digital health subtopic that I research, including AI, telehealth, wearables, digital therapeutics, virtual reality, you name it. The idea here is that we should be weary of new hype technologies that overpromise and underdeliver. In a time of tech-driven hype cycles and after the pandemic wave of digital unicorn sightings, that's actually not bad advice, generally speaking. However, my specific problem with this statement is that it's often used as a wave-of-the-hand dismissal of just about any technology that is receiving a lot of attention, regardless of the very real opportunities that it can bring. And sometimes the people using this phrase are the ones who know the least about the technology. Don't get swept up in hype cycles haphazardly. Take the time to learn about new solutions. See what's real and see what's not. Have those honest conversations. But don't let the shiny new object cliche serve as an escape hatch to every conversation about emerging technologies. And finally, cliche number five. Digital transformation is not about technology, it's about people. Now, I agree that digital transformation relies on matters of strategic alignment and governance and redesigning processes and focusing on your culture and people. I've said those statements many times in presentations. But let's not fool ourselves. The technology is a huge part of this equation. I believe such a cliche is intended to make stakeholders not fixate on technology when starting a new digital health initiative. And again, I think that's smart. As you don't want technology steering strategy, you want technology enabling your strategy. But we shouldn't oversimplify technology's role in digital transformation because technological innovation is often the catalyst for driving new behaviors. And the need to rigorously evaluate and validate tech solutions and integrate them and monitor their performance over time is no easy lift. Digital transformation is about technology. It's just not solely about technology. So there you go, Trevor. Five digital health cliches I hope to never use again in my work. How does that sit with you? 
What if your colleagues who know a lot less about this stuff than you do keep using those cliches? Is that okay? No, I'm just kidding. I can't help but have a couple follow-up questions because I love the way you framed a lot of that. You don't want to hear telehealth is here to stay. And at the same time, thinking about the way disruptors are thinking about it. One of the big conflicts I've seen play out on leadership teams and in boardrooms in the past couple of years is we will put something forward about our expectations around the future of virtual health. And I can see the physicians in the room go, we'll see about that. Because they know how much influence they have over their patients' willingness to try different digital solutions. And on the other side of the coin, you have disruptors who view this as a new way to get something valuable to a huge audience. How do you reckon those two things between the traditional health system approach and the way new competitors, disruptors, and you could throw insurance companies in there who, at least from my perspective, make a lot of virtual access really easy. How do you see those two forces pushing here? And is it the same message for both of them? This is really focusing in on just the continued stumbling blocks of big tech and other non-traditional entrants that know how to enable technology really well. So when it comes to matters of how do we facilitate a telehealth visit to them, that's just built into the nature of how they provide solutions into the market. But it's just the other side of the coin where the health system or the providers, they're more focused on care quality, the sort of clinical appropriateness of a virtual encounter. For them, it may not necessarily be a matter of can we do a video visit? Can we enable asynchronous care? Even to some degree, as telehealth is further commoditized, they're getting more and more comfortable with that equation. It's just really a matter of as providers, we have more insight into what it's going to take to actually treat this patient and do so in a way that's safe and responsible. It's not just a matter of does the tech work? It's a matter of making sure that we're doing this in the appropriate way for the patient. You would hit on the same point that there is definitely an effect of enthusiasm that's trickled down from providers to patients. So if providers are not really engaged or on board with the concept of pushing telehealth, it's very likely that their patient populations are just not going to be as exposed to that option and will likely not adopt it as heavily as other populations might. Yeah, really good thoughts. I also liked the dichotomy talking about AI, the role it could play, and then shiny objects, because my hypothesis is we, you, get so many questions about AI right now because most health systems are getting bombarded by vendors who talk about the new things that AI can do for them, the way it can solve the same problem they've been trying to tackle before, but plug AI in, it looks shiny and new. How do health systems do a good job of both paying attention to new technology, thinking about it as part of the solution, but not getting distracted? Who does a good job of that. And maybe it goes outside of the healthcare industry. Who's really smart at thinking about how do we stay up to date, but not have it consume my whole calendar with vendor meetings? I will be the first to acknowledge that something like AI is overhyped. And the issue that I have with that when I try to present on topics like AI is that when people become overwhelmed, their instinct is to dig their heels into the ground and essentially resist any more information. They're overloaded with ideas. And so that's fair. My concern with that is in a market that moves so quickly, is there a lot of risk when it comes to either making small incremental steps versus standing completely still and resisting change altogether? When it comes to AI, I understand there's a lot of vendors and a lot of pitches that's just going to come with the territory. As a stakeholder who is just trying to keep up with the market, there is a need for continuous education and training in this space. So it is essentially upon you to go out and learn about some of the basics of what this technology is and what it can do. There is a sense of requirement for developing that basic literacy on the topic so that when you go back to all of those vendors that are trying to pitch you on something that you may think 
think of as that shiny new object. If you have the means to actually pick apart those pitches, and if you have a sense of competency around what this technology actually is, you can sift through that noise far more easily. For others, it may just be a matter of you may have your existing partnerships. You may already have your close relationships with your core IT system vendors. And so you could start there. You've been working with this company. You've been investing in them. You may already have a sense of trust with how they provide services. And so that's an easier lift and can help with some of that initial resistance that we get from folks that are overwhelmed in this market. Good advice. I get to push back a little because I'm not sure I agree with the tech first people cliche at the end because I've seen plenty of health systems that bought a cool piece of tech and it didn't give them the outcome they wanted because they missed on the people stuff. On the other hand, there are plenty of systems who have achieved goals, achieved better outcomes, built a really clear strategy, changed the people part of it didn't change the tech part and got where they wanted to go. It's for someone who knows way less about tech than you and sees more of the team people dynamics. You can buy a cool piece of tech and still miss on the end goal. Yeah. If you look at just about any SG2 piece, it's going to talk about strategy and people and governance because they are very crucial components to making something like a digital health initiative truly work. In that point, I did say that it's not solely about technology, but often the cliche is to say it's almost solely about people. To me, it's more about striking that balance to say, look, we have a tendency to say something like, well, technology is actually quite easy. It's the easy part in this. And really, when I look at the trends of managing cost and getting real true value from their tech investments. And I know that a part of that involves the people and process side of the equation, but it's clear to me that health systems have not necessarily figured out the technology side of this when it comes to their digital transformation initiative. The ultimate message there is just don't downplay technology's role. Certainly give the attention to other components of this that you need to give attention to. But if we pretend like technology is easy in all of this, we're going to be setting ourselves up for headaches down the line. That's really good. Combining that with the previous question about focusing on shiny objects, it's like making the technology choice is hard and feeling like you're literate enough in the options and possibilities to make a good choice and then think about how you're going to implement it and all the team pieces is tough. I like that good answer. So Trevor, do you have in your world, because you cover a lot of different topics, is there a cliche that you find yourself using like when you're up on stage or when you're writing a report, there's just some cliche that you keep putting out there that you're going to be more mindful of now? I don't know. I think I rely on the cliches, maybe. They are attractive. There's a reason why we use them, because they're common talking points. When you say them to a room, everybody nods their heads in agreement. They all understand it and they all feel like it's a shared idea. It's something that after a while, it kind of loses its meaning and it's just filler. And you rely on them as crutches because you need them to get from one point to the next. Good point. I'll be more mindful. Thanks for sharing your ideas this way. I really liked it. And thanks for filling some tough, unrehearsed questions. Thanks, as always, for sharing your great perspective with our listeners. Yeah, I appreciate you letting me have the platform to give this rant. Looking forward to the next one. Thanks so much for listening to SG2 Perspectives. As always, I really value your feedback, input, comments, or ideas for episodes. And you can reach us at sg2perspectives at sg2.com. Additionally, I recommend that you check out some of the other Vizient podcasts, which cover a range of clinical and operational areas. Those can all be found at vizientinc.com backslash podcasts. Mm-hmm.